Well, good morning, church. I have counted a privilege to be able to speak to you today. Um, This is certainly a unique, different, I've never spoke to a camera before. It's not part of who I am, but I praise the Lord for the opportunity, technically, that what we can do here at Hope to bring you each Sunday a message from the series, The Kingdom of God. What does it look like to live in God's kingdom? I just thought I'd begin with just kind of a where I'm at. Halloween and I are dealing with um, all of this. I'm in the elderly, uh, old age category where they tell us and warn us, stay home. So we're trying to abide by that. Um, We have graciously, Luane calls them angels of food. We have two people that are bringing us angels of um, food, and uh, we just really appreciate that. We we have not gone out a lot. Once in a while, walk around the block. Once in a while, we'll take a drive. But uh, we're staying home, but we are doing good. It's an opportunity a huge opportunity, and Pastor Brian mentioned it too. The time that Luane and I are spending in prayer, we participate in the fasting, which was a wonderful day and time. We're into reading God's word. It's just amazing. One of the other new things that Luane and I have entered into is YouTube. I've been always able to get YouTube in the office on the computer where the screen's maybe about this big. But now, through constant practice and my son teaching me, we're able to get on YouTube and watch the videos in our recliner. We bought a recliner about a year ago. It has a motor to it. We can take it all the way back. And we're watching YouTube on the full screen. We have a big screen, and it is amazing. I almost feel like I could do this for the rest of my life and don't do church. Wrong. God's word says, don't forsake the assembly ourselves. And we here at leadership are aware of some of the losses we're experiencing by not being able to get together. So we want to get together as soon as we can. And certainly we can pray that God would work those things for our country, for our government, to be able, for the world, to be able to come up with a solution that can combat the coronavirus. I want to say a couple things to you just to encourage you from my heart. Um, everybody who's been teaching has, has shared some things too. Um, I would, if you're like me, I would encourage you not to focus a lot on the news. Especially today when you turn on any news, they're talking about COVID-19. And it can be discouraging after a while. They don't even know the answers. I'm not saying don't keep up with the news. We need to understand what's going on. But I think in times of this when we don't know, we could, we could slip into some pathways that aren't really good for us. And I was always taught, when you don't know things of life, concentrate on the things you do know. And that's where God's words speak to us powerfully. For instance, just one verse. 
Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart through these times of unknown. Don't lean on your understanding. You and I are going to come up with different and wrong interpretations and the conspiracies that are out there. Wow, it's crazy. I need to rely on the truth of God's word. I don't want to lean on my own understanding, but in all my ways, even when I'm home now, I want to be able to trust in the Lord with all my heart. Don't lean on my own understandings, but in all my ways, I want to be able to trust the Lord because he will guide us through this. I don't know what he has. But here's what I do know. Everything, we're going to talk about the heart today. Everything that God allows to happen in this world is for good. And one of the top priorities of God's heart is that God would use this coronavirus to bring people to himself. We heard that last week when Pastor Brian talked about the resurrection. It's all about the death, burial, resurrection, and the ascension of Christ and his purposes in the world. We can't forget that. That's powerful. And we are his if we're in Christ. And no one can pluck us out of his hand. So be encouraged, church. Well, let's get into our passage. We're in Matthew 6, 19. And if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to get that. What I want to do before I read the passage, and I'm going to read it all the way through, then I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to go backwards from the end of 24, work myself back, and then we're going to flip into the first two verses because I want to end with what I think is the key in this passage, that where our hearts are, where our treasure is, that's where our heart will be. That's a powerful truth that we need to understand. But let me just share this in a little review. Pastor Brian started out with the Beatitudes in chapter 5. And if you remember, he was talking to the crowds and his disciples. And I kind of brought in with the passage that I told him that the, the Pharisees were part of the crowds. The Pharisees were the instigators. They wanted to catch Jesus. They wanted to put him down. You can't put down Jesus. He's smarter than everybody. But here's the passage in five. I want you to understand you are blessed if you respond to life in these nine absolutes that God has given us. Being merciful, having a pure heart, hungering after righteousness, understanding that we are poor in spirit. We, we, in and of ourselves, we do not have the ability to enter into the presence of God. That's a blessing if we know that. Um, so we have these uh, nine Beatitudes. Even in the end, it talks about God helping us understand that if we're blessed when we're persecuted, there's even a reward for that. So as we talk about treasures in this passage, I want you to understand that that's part of how we gain treasures. Obeying and following God's word. Even when we're persecuted, God is watching. Then we went to those passages where it says, you heard it said, but I say. 
And that's so great. We want to listen to what Jesus says. Then we went into the passage that talked about when you give, when you pray, when you fast. And all those passages, Jesus immediately expressed to us, we should be doing these things, but there's some things I want you to be careful of. So you don't give this way. You don't pray that way. Or you don't fast this way. So when we get to the passage that I'm going to share about, um, God is telling us things not to do right off the bat. And that's what I want to read. I'm going to read it all the way through from 19, verse 19 of chapter 6 to verse 24. I'm going to read it all the way through. Then I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to begin to backtrack. I'm going to talk on, as it ends, you can't serve God in money. I want to talk about that and work our way back to the center point of understanding where my treasure is. That's where my heart will be. And God gives us great instructions. So, let me read. I hope you have Matthew 6, starting in verse 19, ending in verse 24. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. God is saying, do not do that. Where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But, here's what we should be doing. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will, he will hate the one and love the other, or you will despise or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus is saying, you can't do it. God and money. Another translation is wealth or mamma, mammon. Mammon, sorry about that. But this is a good translation, God and money. It immediately talks to the issues of what's your treasure. In a day and age where money is powerful, and there's, I'm not going to take you all the passages that are there. Um, here's one that the world misquotes. Money is the root of all evil. It's not true. Money is necessary to live. Here's what God says, and it fits in with this passage. The love of money. If you've made money a treasure, you're going to be in trouble. Timothy also talks about that. Those who want to get rich fall into all kinds of trouble. Proverbs talks a lot about don't go after gold and silver. Go after wisdom, knowledge, understanding. 
which the scripture says in different passages throughout the Bible, Jesus is the epitome of wisdom, understanding. He needs to be our treasure, not money. And God says this, powerfully for us to understand. You can serve two masters. You and I were created by God to absolutely worship him and him alone. Scriptures say there is no other God. Worship God. But when Adam and Eve fell, when they allowed the temptation to grip their heart and they gave into it, it was a game changer. Sin came in to every aspect of God's creation and especially man. That's the beauty of our God. He knew that and he had a plan to come against it. So it's telling us if you try to serve God and love him and obey him, but money is right there, can't be done. One's going to win out. And if we don't follow God carefully, my selfish heart is going to get in to the things I want. And I'm going to kind of define that a little bit later. So going back forward in the aspect of the eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Again, it's, it's giving us a description of where your heart is. The eye is connected to the brain. So everything I see, look around. I'm allowing to go to my brain. The Bible talks about us being able to renew our minds in Christ now. Apart from Christ, I can't make that separation. Um, it's pretty powerful what I allow my sight to take in. I was thinking this, and it, you know, it's prevalent with, with guys, but certainly women can be susceptible to this too. But guys, if we allow pornography into our eye, we can see it. It takes root in our mind, and then it begins to take control. It's powerful. And those images will be there for a long, long time. So God is saying, guard what you see. Guard what you allow to come through the eye, into the mind, into the, into the brain. Because the brain is part of the connection of what the heart is. And we're going to talk about that. So if we go back to verse 19. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. That's where the battle is. Um, and God is not saying here, I can't have things. We need to have things. Food, clothing, shelter. Steve's going to talk about that next Sunday. But it's so powerful to understand that my heart can easily be captured by things, and then if they begin to control me, I'm done for. God is saying, don't do that. Yes, you can buy things for yourself, but don't let them become a treasure. And I want to explain what the idea of treasure is in a few minutes. 
Treasure. It's defined this way in the Greek. A place where we take good and precious things and collect them. Now that in of itself isn't wrong. The word Jesus uses here is to store up, pile up. You remember the Psalm in 73. Um, we were taught by Paul Tripp, big pile, little pile. And Asaph saw, he looked all around, his eye saw what everyone else was beginning to possess. And it brought him down. He became jealous. It's that powerful verse with Paul of covetousness. If I didn't know the law, God told me don't covet, then I wouldn't be responsible. But once he told me don't covet, Paul said, I looked around and I coveted everything. That's what our hearts do. And God says, don't don't do that. But what should I do? Well, let me go back to here. Let me finish this. God now gives us a statement of when I store up treasures in earth, moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Moths. Simple definition. It's the moth that eats up the clothes. Um, And the, the picture here that Jesus is trying to give us is your riches, your treasures will be eaten up and they won't last. I remember some years ago, I believe I was a a teenager, so we're going way back. But there was a rich man. When he died, he had in his will, when I die, I want my Cadillac buried with me. Pretty stupid. It goes on to say, we're we're vermin destroyed. The NIV doesn't get that real well. Mostly all the other interpretations of this is rust. Rust decays. I want to tell you, when that Cadillac was put in the ground, the earth began to start to eat away on all that metal. Um, I'm sure there's no fenders left. The tires are probably dry rotted. Possibly the engine and the frame may still be there because they're pretty thick metal. But eventually, that metal will decay, will rust when I worked for Rich, hi Rich, um, one of the things I did, I went to school to learn cathodic protection. And what that meant was when the gas tanks were buried in the ground and they were metal, we had to put a diode in there connected to the metal that when the earth began to attack the metal and cause rust, that it would go to this other object that was hooked up with wires because eventually that metal will destroy, will rust. It'll have to be pulled out of the ground and a new tank put in. So that's a good picture for us. When we try to put up earthly treasures, God is saying it's useless. It's going to decay. You cannot take it with you. So don't try. Then he moves to the positive. He says this. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin or rust do not destroy 
cannot destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. All of our earthly treasures can be taken away from us through decay, through other people, thieves. God is saying, when you store up your treasure in heaven, it cannot be taken away. Brian told on that, even with the fasting, there's a reward when we fast properly, in secret, in our closet. There's rewards for us when we carry out the commands of God to be pure in heart, to love mercy. God sees that, and he stores that, if you will, in your bank account in heaven, and nobody can touch it. This coronavirus tried to grab my heart big time. I'm not rich. I don't care to be rich. But what I do want to do is to be able to provide for my family and live comfortably. So my father, who is Dutch, who still has his recess money before he died, told me to save. So in part of my married life, I tried to do that. When my mother-in-law died, Wayne got the inheritance from her family. We put it in to savings, invested, some in the stock market. When my dad passed away, we graciously received some inheritance there. I tried to do the same thing, put it away. I've watched it grow. Boy, that sure makes you happy. This coronavirus, it came in and stole a lot of my money. And that's tough. So I had to work through, and I I knew this portion of scripture, but there's so many other scriptures. I had to really go back and trust God, who promises me, and again, Steve's going to touch on that next week. What a great passage. God will provide for me because he cares for me far more than a sparrow. And he still watches out for the sparrow and the wren and the peacock and every other creature of bird God cares for. That's the message he wants to tell us. So it was a time for me that I had to really evaluate. Do I trust God? Is God my treasure or are things and money my treasure? And Elaine and I have been praying, Lord, it's yours. You do whatever you want with that. We want to be careful. We want to be able to save, handle our money right, but it's his money. We've got to remember that. So that if I live for the things that are eternal, things that will be in heaven, then that's what we want to focus on. Even as we've gone through the tangible kingdom, one of the treasures I want to realize is I want the loss to know Jesus. Just an encouragement again through the coronavirus. It's huge. It's global. And God is a part of that. He's allowed us to come upon the earth. But at the top of his heart is that he'll use this coronavirus to bring people to himself. That we would repent because we have forsaken God as a nation, 
as a world. We don't declare that he's the creator. We worship created things. We worship things, we treasure things that he has made, sadly over him himself. And that's what I want to encourage you as we begin to wrap this sermon up. So with these two thoughts, don't store up things on earth, store up things in heaven. God makes this powerful statement. Here's what Jesus said. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Picture is this way. And I have some powerful treasures in my life. My wife, Luane, it's the highest. I'd sell everything I have if she needed it because of my love for her. She's my treasure. My children, Brian, Jamie, and Steve. My daughter-in-law, Ginny. My grandson, Matt. They are treasures. God's not saying, oh, you can't, you can't love them. Can't, can't have treasures like that. Absolutely I can. Because there's so many other scriptures that talks about loving them, caring for them, the way Christ loved the church. So I can have things, but here's the key. I cannot allow those things to control my heart. Because if I have treasures, and here's, here's God, I need to love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and spirit. And I, I can love other things. But when my heart begins to allow this, even if it's close, but then my heart says, no, these things are more important to God, that I'm now worshiping idols. It can be some good things. It can certainly be wicked things. But here's what I want to say today. If I'm to love God with all my heart, and I'm in the process of that, I believe I don't love God with all my heart. There's times I do. There's times I don't. But it's my goal to love God. And then the things that are right to love here on earth, I'm going to make sure I love them, but not compared to God. So I want to leave you with these three treasures. And I'm in the process of learning to do this. And I'll say it this way. I want to treasure, make God the treasure of my heart more than anything else. And I'm going to say it this way, the Godhead needs to be first and foremost. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now there's a whole teaching in there. There's so much I need to learn about that and their roles. But God loved me because he gave his Son. Jesus loved me because he came and obeyed the Father. And now the Holy Spirit, who enabled Jesus, enables you and I to live this life. That needs to be our top treasure. Number two, top treasure, the gospel. Just thinking through what we learned on Good Friday, Jesus' death, his burial, Sunday, the resurrection, That's the gospel. God did these things for us so that we could enter into his presence 
be forgiven of our sins, and have communion and fellowship with God. The gospel needs to be a treasure, and it's a treasure I don't keep for myself. And then last, I want to add these two. I used to, I used to have just God's word and prayer, but I added fasting just because of the message we heard. Because fasting is such a great element. It's a treasure, a privilege that we can have to really commune with God deeper, to pour out our heart. So, have the Godhead as a treasure, the gospel, and the word of God, prayer and fasting. The word of God, let God speak to us. Prayer and fasting, pouring out our hearts to God. What a treasure we have that God has enabled us to have through the crucifixion, death, and burial, and resurrection of our Savior. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the treasures we have in you. But I'm aware that my sinful heart can drift away from those glorious eternal treasures and visit the here and now, hold on to them with a tight grip. Lord, I want to I use the wonderful things you've given me, my wife, my family, food, shelter, friends. But I want to keep that in the right perspective. You and you alone are God. I want to worship you with my whole heart, love and adore you. And I ask in Jesus' name that you would help me through the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it's been a privilege to be in your living room or office or maybe even the bedroom with a laptop. Um, and we're praying for you. We're, we're longing for the time we can get back. Small group leaders, keep contacting your guys. Encourage them. And uh, we'll do the same. God bless.